I'm literally the next person in to go see Jim Zorn. And I get a call from my agent. He's like, Chase, he's like, he's like, Chase, walk out, walk out right now. I'm like, what? No, no. Like, what do you mean walk out? It is a scientific fact here at Half Forgotten History. We have the smartest listeners around. And we want you to be smart with your money too, because that's kind of a big deal. And U.S. Bank offers a wide range of credit cards for a wide variety of financial needs. And one of its most useful cards is the U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card. With a low introductory APR for 24 billing cycles, this card is a tool for getting ahead. The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card is a savvy financial move for large purchases, unexpected expenses, we all have those, and balance transfers. And with the ability to customize your payment date, this card really gives you control and flexibility over your financial future. Apply now at usbank.com slash platinum. With the U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card, you can be worry-free for the next two years. And to see if you qualify for the best introductory APR out there, visit usbank.com slash platinum. Limited time offer, the creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association. Pursuant to a license from Visa USA Incorporated, some restrictions may apply. Hey everybody, what's up? Trey Wingo here. Welcome into another episode of Half Forgotten History. Season 7 comes to a close with the king. Well, I mean it, the king. No one has made more in the NFL by playing less than this week's guest. He's about to enter his 14th year in the NFL, five career starts, eight touchdown passes, seven interceptions, and 40 million in career earnings. No one has nailed the business of football better than this week's guest, Chargers backup quarterback, Chase Daniel. All right, so we got to start here, right? How does William Chase Daniel, undrafted in 2009, end up with more career earnings than the second overall pick and Heisman Trophy winner of the 2012 draft, RG3, and have a longer playing career than the first overall pick of 2012, quarterback Andrew Luck? How does this happen? How did I know you were going to lead with this question? <laughs> oh, no. I mean, I don't know. You know, I think it was right place, right time. Uh, knowing the right people. Um, getting involved with the right coaches that get head jobs. Um, and ultimately playing well. You know, you got to play well. Um, I, I, I was telling my wife the other day, I was like, I cannot believe that <clears throat> I'm entering year 14. It was like, yeah. seemed like just the other day, I was an undrafted rookie, signed with Washington, got cut. Signed with New Orleans, won a Super Bowl the first year behind like two living legends, Breeze and Brunel. Yeah. Um, and I mean, did I think I'd be playing now? No, absolutely not. There's, there's, there's no way. But, but the thing about you, which is great, is you embrace it. Like I remember in December, Ryan Clark, whom I love, RC tweeted out the definition of a blowout is Chase Daniel in the game. And of course, yeah. I retweeted with "Hold up, man! Bow to the king." A backup quarterback, and you retweeted and said, "Y'all are funny." Like you get it, right? Yeah. You you know what yeah. you are in the league. I totally, I totally get it, and um, you know, I've been I've been blessed and lucky enough to be able to play that long. To be honest with you, and and absolutely, like I, I you know, maybe three, four, five, six years ago, you know, when I thought that I was still like, I mean, I still think I'm capable, but capable to be a starter. Like I might have been like, oh, like uh, what are these guys talking about? But now it's just like, hey, it's part of the deal. Um, I think it's, I think it's funny. I love it. Um, you know, I'm just trying to set up, set up a life for my kids and, and, you know, I'm healthy. My brain's healthy. Um, uh, my body's healthy. Um, so who knows how, how much longer I can keep playing, but I'm going to keep till they, till they kick me out of the league. 
I mean, give me the Chase Daniel deal any day of the week. I'd sign up for that tomorrow. But but like your NFL career is sort of an extension of your entire playing career, right? You went to a legendary high school, Carroll High School uh, in Texas, and the team that you wanted to recruit you didn't recruit you, right? Texas. They wanted you, and uh, I mean, you wanted them, and they didn't want you. Yeah, that was that was interesting, you know, because I played, you know, like you said, at South Lake, South Lake Carroll, and it was, um, you know, we won a national championship. It's the a first, big like, deal for people that don't it's, know. Like, yeah. it's a like in terms of high school football, it doesn't get much bigger than that. There's no doubt, and so when you, you're playing there at the highest classification, and you're the best team in the state by far, and you're the best team in the nation, or you think you are, you go 16 and 0. I was 47 and one in three years there. Um, you go on to Missouri and you're like, wait, Missouri, like, no, I want to go to Texas and Texas yeah. by far. My sister went to UT. I spent a lot of time down there. Um, and a lot of people don't realize, but like, you know, Ryan Perlou, um, was committed yeah. there. He decommitted Colt McCoy, um, then committed there. And then on signing day, like I had been committed to the university of Missouri for a year and Mike Brown called my, my coach, Todd Dodge, who actually just retired legendary coach in the state of yeah. Texas and was like, Hey, uh, before he could even get a word out, Todd was like, he's not, he's, he's, he's set. He's set. Cause it, you know, my word was my bond and my dad always taught me that, but yeah, it, it stung a little bit not being able to go to Texas, but I think it, I think it by far still worked out cause Colt McCoy is still playing. I'm still playing yeah. university of Texas did amazing things. University of Missouri did amazing things. So it all worked out. That, that says something, right? Because you had the opportunity, like, you, if you had wanted to to change course, which players do all the time now, even when they're yeah. in college, you could have said, "Hey, this is my dream. It's where I've always wanted to play." And I don't think anybody would have held it against you, but you decided you just couldn't do it. Yeah, I mean, like, listen, I, I was raised a certain way, and my dad was like, even like, I remember, like, there's some crazy stories, but like, I remember this story. I was 10 or 11 years old. I'd already been in Taekwondo, liked it. I was like working my way up to the black belt. But my dad one day was like, hey, let's try boxing. I'm like, absolutely, let's try boxing. Like, yeah, I get to beat up on some people. And he was always telling me, like, you can never quit. When a Daniel starts something, you must stay the course. You must try your very best and you must see it through. That is what is expected. And that has always been the case. Well, anyway, I start boxing and it's like the gold gloves, like minor league, like minor system. And I start see, stepping in the ring and seeing some of these guys. And like, I'm like very just like, oh, I don't want to get hit. I don't get hit. And like two or three, two or three spars in like, boom, caught me in the nose, like nosebleed. Two weeks later, boom, nosebleed. And I'm like, after the third nosebleed, my mom was like, he is done. Like he is quitting. <laughs> so that is like literally the only time in my life, my dad's uh, allowed me to quit anything. But I think that's sort of like instilled in me like, hey, like, see it through. Like if you, yeah. if you commit and your word is your bond, I mean, it's so different nowadays, the NIL, all sorts of stuff, like who can pay the most, who can do that. But like back then, like it was, it was a little simpler times. And it was like, Hey, I committed. They were building an offense around me. Like if I decommit, then I ruined their entire program, entire thing of what they set up. Cause that's the only quarterback they had. Um, so for me, it was a big deal to just stay the course. So you do that, you go to Missouri, your first year you're there behind Brad Smith, who went on and played a few years in the NFL, and then it really flourished for you, right? Did that sort of validate your decision? 
I think so. Um, I, but I will say like the first like year, probably eight, eight, 10 months when I was up in the at Missouri, I was like, what am I doing? Where am I? I'm from a big town in Dallas. I was about to say like, Boone County, Missouri is Boone County, Missouri is not suburban Dallas. Let's just throw that yes. out there for people that don't yes. know. Boone County is like, it, but then like I just, uh, something clicked and I just fell in love with it. The Midwest, the weather, the campus, the the fan base. Um, it's the only D1 school in the state of Missouri. So you get a bunch of like Missouri fans at the game. And it just sort of ended up like exactly how it was supposed to. And I, and I definitely wouldn't have changed anything because, you know, if, if we go to if I go to Texas, then me and Colt, you know, battle it out for the starting job at some point. And who wins? You know, if I lose the job, then I'm I'm two years behind, so forth and so on. So I think it, I would think it worked out perfectly. Well, you passed for what? Over 12,000 yards, 100 touchdowns. You're considered one of the most uh, successful quarterbacks in school history. So after the 2008 season, you had to be feeling pretty good about yourself. What were your expectations going into the draft that year? I I knew that it wasn't for going to be high, right? But I, I felt talking to some people, putting my name in the little draft thing, like coming back, like, hey, do I leave as after junior year? Because my junior year, we finished, you know, four in the nation. I finished third in the yeah. Heisman. I was probably my better of the years. I threw too many interceptions my senior year. And I think that sort of hurt me. But I at the time, like six foot, was considered very short. Like it was yeah. just at the start of the turning of the guard two or three years later. Um, and six foot was like not the norm. Now it's like, hey, if you, you can play quarterback, you can play quarterback. I mean, Kyler Murray, I mean, there's a list to go on and on and on. And Russell, and I, and I think for me, that was a little bit of a hard pill to swallow. I mean, because you go and you're the best, one of the best players in college football and you're like, what what do they not see in me that I see in myself? And so my goal was just like, hey, just get drafted. Like, just get drafted. Like, I don't care. Like, it's a big deal. Well, end up going undrafted. And I remember it was only two teams, too. It was, it was between the, the Washington um, football team, commanders, commanders right? like now, whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. And um, Dallas. And I Dallas had just drafted – for all you old folks in there, Stephen McGee, Texas A&M, uh, I remember in the Steve. third round. And I was like, oh, man, like, I don't know. And then my buddy, rest in peace, Colt Brennan, um, was up there. And we were buddies because we had met at the Heisman the year before. And so it sort of influenced me to go that route. Um, I was a fourth guy, did got maybe two reps in practice. And I remember Coach Zim, Jim Zorn at the time. Um, was like, hey, listen, normally the four gets zero reps. We're going to give you some reps in preseason. And I think I played like three quarters in four preseason games and threw like four or five touchdowns. So it was like one of those things that it was like coming full circle, like, hey, you're not going to get a lot of opportunities, but when you play, you better play well and you better get your, your film um, out there because not only are you playing for your team, you're playing for 31 other teams and trying out. Right. And so I think that was a really big situation for so before we get into what happened in your pro career, I want to go back. What was the draft weekend like? You had to think someone was going to pick you, right? I, I did. And when, when it started getting like fifth, sixth round, I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, And then at, at some point, my agent called and he actually like made a really good point. He's like, hey, if you're going in the seventh, let's just go. Let's just go free agent route because you get to choose. Yeah, right. You get to choose where you go uh, and you could choose a situation. So. Um, that sort of happened and, and round seven goes and, and I, you know, don't get drafted. And I think for me, it just sort of left a chip on my shoulder. 
if that makes sense. Like uh, if it wasn't one already, cause you know, I guess I was too short, um, you know, didn't throw a hard enough ball, played in shotgun at seven and a half yards deep all the time. Like, I don't know what it was. Um, but for me, it just was like, Hey, you always got to work. Like if you really, really, really want to commit yourself to the national football league and being an NFL quarterback, like you have to work and you have to work hard. By the way, that's the thing that not, not people understand. Look, everybody wants to say they were drafted, but honestly, if you're honest yeah. about it, once you get halfway through the seventh round, it's better for you to not get drafted. Cause like you said, that is sure. like a mini free agency, right? It's, it's kind of crazy. No doubt. People don't understand how crazy it is. All the phone calls that start coming in once the draft is over. Right. Yeah. There's, there's like, even like sixth round, like, Hey, I don't know if you're going to get drafted, but Hey, we're looking at you. It's, it's literally like the wild, wild west. I mean, you saw some of the contracts this year, they're guaranteeing $300,000 on some of these That's deals. Nuts. Some of these guys are getting eighty, $90,000 to sign. I got $5,000 and I was like <laughs> beyond myself. I was like, this is the best day ever. And now people won't even like talk to anyone undrafted. It's like, Hey, I need a hundred thousand dollars signing bus. I'm like, you guys have no idea. If only Chase today could talk to younger Chase and say, you think that's good. Wait till you see what's coming. So you, you get to, you, you get in there and you get those preseason reps. Did you think you had a shot to stick with Washington? Um, you know, I haven't told this story a lot, but, um, it's a funny thing that you asked because I was just telling my wife about it the other day was I, I, I played so well, but I also understood at the time, like, Hey, here's the numbers and the numbers really do not add up, uh, as start, like very few teams keep four quarterbacks. Like I'm like, all right, so well, they're they're not going to cut Jason Campbell. He's the starter. They're, they're not going to cut Todd Collins. He's been around forever. Forever, like forever. He's the backup. And I'm like, it's me and Colt. And like Colt was like a Colt hero at the time for Washington because his rookie year he played so well in the preseason. Like one over the coaching staff. Like was just slinging it. Everyone knows how prolific he was. And I just remember. Um, getting a call and like, Hey, you've been cut after the fourth preseason game. I threw like two touchdowns. I was like, Oh, I got, maybe I have a chance. Like, I don't know. So the phones are silent. Like cut down is like 4 PM Eastern. I get a call like three I'm like, no, that's the worst. Oh, that's I know. I'm, the like, worst. I'm like, what are you waiting for? Like do it yeah. early in the day. And I'm like, I, I mean, everyone that's listening out there, like, I understand what you're going through because I'm sure there's a bunch of guys that have been like that. And I'm like, it's like, why wait till last two minutes? Because I'm like, 4 p.m., 4 p.m. I made the team. Oh my gosh! Like, who did it, they cut? Who did they cut? Did they cut Colt? Like me? Who made? I made. You know, I didn't make it. And I, re, I remember going the next day, like, hey, we want to put you on practice squad. Like, ah, whatever. And I go into Jim Zorn's office. I'm waiting in the line of practice squad guys. I think there was like eight at the time. Now there's like 16. Um, and I think I'm like sixth or seventh in line. And I get a call um, from my agent. And I'm like, literally, I'm literally the next person in to go see Jim Zorn. And I get a call from my agent. He's like, Chase. He's like, he's like Chase, walk out. Walk out right now. I'm like, what? No, no. Like, what do you mean walk out? Like, he's like, get out of there. So I'm like, uh, okay. So I literally go out to the front. He's like, let me call you right back. He, that's all he says. He says, get out of there. Let me call you right back. And I'm like, uh, you know, I'm 21 years old. And I'm like, what is happening? All of a sudden I get a call from a 504 area code, New Orleans, like yeah. literally like two minutes later, it seems like 30 minutes. It was two minutes later. And I pick up the phone and I'm like, hello. And I'm like, I better answer this. And it was Sean Payton. And Sean Payton was like, Hey, listen, we want to bring you down here. We're going to have you on practice squad for two games. 
You're going to be the third quarterback after that, and you're going to be with us the whole season. And I was like, well, he's like, you're going to learn from Drew and Mark. I was like, all right, fine. So literally didn't even go, didn't even go back in the building. Sure enough, two games in, um, I'm on practice wide. The third game, it happened. I was on active for the next 10 games. Ended up winning the Super Bowl the next year. Um, they bring in Patrick Ramsey to compete with me. Yeah. Give me a shot, actually. Give me a shot to um, win the backup job. And, and I win the backup job and continue there for three more years. So it was, it was, um, it was a crazy story. But also even crazier, Trey, I haven't told this. This is, this is an exclusive. Um, so a couple years later, one of the – it's so Breaking news! Yes, one of the tight end coaches – I don't think a lot of people knew this. One of the tight end coaches at the time for Washington – uh, his name will not be revealed. Um, he's no longer coaching, but he, he, I see him on like the field, um, like two or three years later and we're warming up and I'm the backup and I'm like, Oh, he's like, Oh man, Chase, how's it going? Good to see you. He's like, you know, you made the team in Washington. And I go, wait, no, I didn't. He's like, Chase, it, we waited till three fifty eight because you were slated to be the third quarterback. The owner came in oh. and said, let's keep Colt Brennan because he sells more jerseys. And like, is, I'm like, that is the most Daniel yeah. Snyder thing of all time, by the way. I was going to ask you about and Daniel Snyder and you brought it up on your own. That guy is a nightmare, a nightmare. Yes. And, and, and I was like, I was like, so like, I was so passive, but at the same time, I'm like, that was like, Oh, ding, 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 ding. This is the business of the NFL. Like I totally get it. Like, but it was like, at the same time, I'm like, I could, I actually made the team. So it was a little bit of like, oh, hey, like yeah, I played well enough to do it, but it all ended up just fine. But I I, I, I haven't told that story a lot, but I, I just was like incra- crazy. Yeah, that's that. Well, that's Daniel Snyder personified, if you think yes. about it. And his team has been terrible since he's, he's the worst owner that I know. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about that 2009 season for a second, because that if you're going to go to the Saints, that was a really good year to go to the Saints. I think you and the you and the Colts that year both started off what thirteen and zero or eleven and zero. Thirteen. Thirteen and zero. Eleven and zero. Yeah. Yeah. And then you and lost then that we Thursday were, night game to Dallas. I think it was. It was Dallas Thursday night, and then we yeah. lost the next. two. We start thirteen zero, lose the next three. Yeah. And we're like, well, we still get first round by because we'd won thirteen yeah. games. Um, yeah. We were the one seed. We're like, ah, you got to come to the Superdome. And I just remember like. That season was so much fun because there were some games, if you actually remember and you're actually a football nut, like the Washington game that year. Robert – Drew Brees throw – we are down like 12 points in the fourth quarter, 14 points. Drew, crazy interception, scrambles, throws it up. The guy is running it back. Robert Meacham strips him, takes the ball, runs down, scores. And I'm like, oh, my God. we're gonna, Like there's just all these crazy memories – of that year, like games we probably shouldn't have won. And then teams we blew out, but we built confidence. Our defense had like 38 takeaways that year. Insane. But uh, yeah, I mean, we, we go into the bye week and we're like, Oh my God, we just lost three in a row. We need to get our stuff. And then we come out and pummel Arizona. I'm like, ah, and then the Minnesota game is the, the kick, the Garrett Hartley kick. And then obviously the Super Bowl, everyone remembers. So it was, it was a whirlwind. Like I sort of wish I could go back in time and just really enjoy it. Like 14 years in, like, you know, after we win the Super Bowl, like, oh, this is going to be so easy to get back. Like, oh, and nope. like, not even, like, not even close. Like, it's like, it's so difficult to put together a season, and it's really all about the health of player. Like, we were so healthy that year, no injuries, and we just put it all together. So, there's there's two things I want to focus on in that 2009 season. You mentioned the NFC Championship game and uh, the Garrett Hartley kick. Yes, but that game will be remembered for 
the interception, right? Brett Favre yes. is with the Vikings. He's driving them down into what will be a game-winning field goal scenario. And that, I think you, they were on borderline in field goal territory. I think they were at the 40. Yeah, they were right yeah, out there. What were you, as a, as a, as a guy who has, has to be on the sidelines and just watching him yeah. move them into a scenario where you know that they're in a potential to kick, what was going through your head as you're watching him take the Vikings on that drive? I grew up a huge Brett Favre fan. So sure. I was, it was one of the first times we saw him play and, and statistically was one of his best seasons ever that Oh yeah. nine season um, in Minnesota. And in my mind, I was just like, Oh my gosh. Like, it's just like, maybe not our year because we honestly shouldn't have been in that game, but they had like six turnovers that game. Yep. Andrew Pearson fumbled crazy. four times. Yeah. Favre, I mean, crazy. And we still, we still had to kick a, a game winner, but I mean, just watching him go to work. And I think it was like on a QA to sprint out or something, just through, try to throw across his body. And we had that interception. And it was just like, man, it was like meant to be like, we got to take care of business, but it was, I mean, honestly, like that game was, was rough, but the, I mean, I'm sure we'll get there, but the 2017 um, case yeah. Keenum Minnesota miracle. I was on the sideline for that too, with the saints. Like that yeah. was probably more heartbreaking. Cause it was like no time left. We thought we were going to win, but um, yeah, the, the 09 season, um, I mean, it's just, it was, it was special in a lot of, a lot of ways. And so you, you get the interception, you kick the field goal, you go to the Super Bowl that year, it's Super Bowl 44. And there's all those sort of weird, like symbolism that year. It was the 44th year of the Saints being in existence, their first ever Super yeah. Bowl. But everyone was talking about the Colts. Like it was, you know, they won Super Bowl 41 in Miami. It's Super Bowl 44. They're in Miami. Peyton's at the peak of his powers, as good as you guys were. And I remember because we were there all week, as good as you guys were, everyone thought the Colts were going to win. And there's there's two plays in that Super Bowl that's, that stand out for me. The Colts are up 10-0 in the first half. And it's a third down play. And Manning hits Pierre Garçon, and he is wide-ass open. I mean, wide-ass yeah. open. He might have scored on that play if he just held on to the ball. If nothing else... Uh, they were going to get in field goal range. Like they were going to go up either 13 to nothing or 17 to nothing. And he drops the ball. Like he just flat out yeah. drops the ball. And Pierre Garçon had a great yeah. career. He had a bunch of tra tremendous catches. But that one is like, I cannot believe he dropped the ball. Did that feel like, geez, I, we have life now. Like, because you guys were getting, you kind of were getting rolled up until that point. Not kind of. We were. We we played so bad <laughs> offensively um, yeah. at the start. And it just like nothing seemed in the first quarter to go our way. And it was like, oh my gosh. And you could buy like no doubt the momentum um, was on their side. And our defense had played like decently well against, you know, a Hall of Famer and Peyton Manning. And our offense didn't play very well and just like nerves, right? But, you know, the, the longer I'm in the league, the longer I understand like the big mo, like momentum is 100% a thing. Like, absolutely. absolutely. If you give an NFL team a second chance at anything, usually it ends up really bad for the team that gave him the second chance. And that was sort of what happened on that play. I just remember like, you know, wide open, he just straight up drops it. And um, it was almost like a sigh of relief, like, hey, stop the bleeding, like give us something, do something to stop the bleeding. Yeah. And we ended up going in at halftime. And obviously, you know, everyone knows what happens to the start of the that's, second half. That's the next question I want to ask you. Yeah. So again, by the way, you guys did an amazing job. I think you tied it up at the half, right? It was, there was a crazy yeah. play yeah. down by the, by the goal line and the two-point conversion. When or did you know that Sean was going to call the onside kick to start the second half? Hell yeah. Sean made it known right when we came in. We're doing ambush. 
we're doing ambush to start the second half. Morstead, who's a rookie who came in with yeah. me, get your mind right. He'd been practicing it all year long. And it's sort of crazy. It actually like wasn't like I saw some of these reps in practice of him doing it. I mean, he literally kicks the ball and it's just spinning like this. It like multiple times it would go past 10 and it would come all the way back like six or seven yards. So it ended up three yards away, but it crossed the line. And I'm like, this is unbelievable. So the actual one in the Super Bowl wasn't super great. It more yeah. like it like spun and sort of died. And it was enough, yeah. But I mean, like, talk about talk about the balls on Sean Payton to call that in a in his only Super Bowl um, to start the start the half. I mean, honestly, like it reinvigorated the sideline. And oh, I think it that's changed the game completely. Play. It changed the game completely. No so yeah. when you heard him say, "We're going ambush," what was the first thing that went through your mind? Hell yeah! Like, let's go! Like, let's do it! Like, yes! Like, go, go! Give Drew, who you know had an amazing year that year, go give Drew another possession. Like, if you yeah. can steal a possession in a game like that, whether it be a takeaway, turnover, onside kick, muff punt, like whatever it is, like you're gonna do it. And you know, if if you can have twelve possessions, the other team has ten. It's usually, you know, eleven and eleven, right. twelve, twelve. If you can have one or two more possessions in your team, like there's a good chance you're gonna win if you don't turn the ball over. Yeah, so so obviously that play changed the game completely. And then there was the play that sealed the win, and that was the Tracy Porter pick six. As yeah. that play is unfolding and you see the interception, what's going through your mind? Well, we had been, you know, it was it's called an indie route, and it's yeah. what Peyton Manning is known for. He threw five million five yards in in five yards and in and he was the best quarterback ever it's not honestly it's not an easy throw and those receivers have such a good feel and I just remember the defensive coaches that week like hey like we're gonna play off we're gonna play off they're probably gonna double move us they might hit it but we're going to take one of these away from Peyton because that's literally first and ten that's like their favorite drive starter and I didn't have a great view of the interception uh, we were on the bench. Um, I'm watching it now, by the way. Just say so you know, I'm, wa- I'm watching it now yes. as we're telling the story. I'm watching. Yes, like like it's crazy. Like I get goosebumps still because like we were on the bench, and all of, all of a sudden I just hear Mark Brunell scream. Like the crowd goes wild, but I hear Mark Brunell scream at the top of his lungs, like "Oh my god!" Like and and, and I are like, "What just happened?" And we run to the sideline, and we're like, "Oh, we're thinking just like you know, pick it, fall down, like whatever." He just starts running it back, and I'm like. This game is over, and we just won a Super Bowl. Like it's, yeah. um, it, it's, it's unbelievable. And then the party afterwards was just epic. Um, the parade was epic. I mean, just everything was just, um, it was amazing. Party with the Lombardi. Yeah, for people that don't understand, I mean, they were moving. It was third and five. I think they were on your twenty-five yard line or thirty-five yard line. Oh yeah, it was a seven-point yeah. game. I mean, that literally was the nail in the coffin, uh, and uh, Tracy yes. Porter sealed that Super Bowl ring for you. So, listen, you played everywhere, right? That, that's sort of the running joke. It started in Washington, then you go to New Orleans, then it's Kansas City, then Philadelphia, then New Orleans the second time around, the Bears, the Lions, and now you're with the Chargers. If you could pick one place, like what, was your, what has been your favorite place to play? And I, I get you have to say right now, Los Angeles, I understand that, yeah. but let's, yeah. let's, let's say you're a free agent right now like what where was the place that you felt like this just everything works for me um honestly it was uh, there's a lot I've been a part of some really good locker rooms and people will tell you that a locker room there's like 10 or eight locker rooms that actually have it together and what I mean by that there's no 
There's no bad apples. There's nobody bringing everyone down. It's it's literally one thing and one thing only. It's about winning. Like, how can we win? There's eight or 10. And I feel like I've been on like three or four of those. But to answer your question, like New Orleans was was super special to me because we won a Super Bowl. I played there the longest anywhere of my career, four years. But to me, what was even more special is probably Kansas City. Um, and for a I multitude thought you'd say of reasons. That. I thought one, you'd say that. Yeah. And one of them, the main ones, is because I was able to get on in on the ground floor with Andy Reid. We were yeah. two and fourteen the year before in 2012. They they bring trade for Alex Smith, and then right away, like he's like, "Hey, our biggest thing is like we want Chase. Like we, he, I was wanted, and it's like I just remember everyone saying like Coach Reed is like one of the coolest coaches to play for. He is like uh, a second dad. He expects perfection, but he is so good with quarterbacks. And I just I just remember telling myself like I want to go play for for Andy Reed. Um, so got uh, that was the first year. Uh, I think we started nine and zero, and then that that game was the indie game where they came back from like twenty eight points down in, in the twenty thirteen uh, divisional round. Um, but also, like my wife and the entire family is from there, so um, I was dating my wife at the time when I moved there. We were engaged and married a year later, so it was like really cool to do two full years. I was there three, but two full years married with her family in Kansas City, and also just so close to Mizzou. So it was it was just a yeah. fun time all the way around. All right, why don't we take our first break here with Chase? And when we come back, we'll talk about what's going on in the AFC West this year and how it's basically an arms race to try and stop one dude. And that dude would be Patrick Mahomes. We're back with Chase Daniel on Half Forgotten History right after this. It is a scientific fact here at Half Forgotten History. We have the smartest listeners around. And we want you to be smart with your money, too, because that's kind of a big deal. And U.S. Bank offers a wide range of credit cards for a wide variety of financial needs. And one of its most useful cards is the U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card. With a low introductory APR for 24 billing cycles, this card is a tool for getting ahead. The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card is a savvy financial move for large purchases, unexpected expenses, we all have those, and balance transfers. And with the ability to customize your payment date, this card really gives you control and flexibility over your financial future. Apply now at usbank.com platinum. With the U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card, you can be worry-free for the next two years. And to see if you qualify for the best introductory APR out there, visit usbank.com slash platinum. Limited time offer, the creditor and issue of this card is U.S. Bank National Association. Pursuant to a license from Visa USA Incorporated, some restrictions may apply. All right, back with the, the backup quarterback of all time in history of the NFL, Chase Daniel, currently with the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, first of all, Thank you again for the tickets for the Thursday night game. I was, uh, after that tweet with Ryan Clark, we, we exchanged and you got us uh, seats for that <laughs> Thursday night game between the Chiefs and the Chargers. Freaking amazing. One of the greatest games I've ever been to in my life. Absolutely crazy. But this, this to me, this AFC West offseason has been insane. Okay. You guys get JC Jackson and Khalil Mack. The Raiders pick up Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones. Uh, the Denver Broncos get freaking Russell Wilson to go with Jerry Judy and all their offensive weapons. Yes. Let's be clear, right? This is all about stopping one dude, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's like the arms race of the AFC yeah. and it lives in the AFC West. And I think, it, I think some, some of these teams just got sick and tired of dealing with, with Patrick Mahomes and the chiefs and, you know, thank goodness Tyree kills like yeah. shipped off to the dolphins. Cause that, that'll make it a little easier. Not, not a lot, but a little, and they just, they've been, let's be real. Let's call it what it is. They, they're the class of the AFC and they have been 
that multiple AFC championships, two Super Bowl appearances, one Super Bowl. I mean, they are the class. And I think, um, you know, I think people were just like, hey, and GMs were like, Let, we got to load up. Like, we got to load up on defense. Um, Chargers, I mean, for us, it was like, hey, we, we got, we're pretty set on offense, get some filling guys, right tackle, RB2, maybe another receiver. But like, let's load up on defense. Like, from the D lineman that we got, stop the run, Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa's already there. Obviously, like JC Jackson, like one of the best ball hawking corners in all of football. And then the Raiders are like, oh, well, if you guys are doing it, then we're going to do it. You know, so it's like, yeah. and then Denver's like, ah, hold this one. I got yeah. Russell Wilson coming over here. <laughs> and we're so, so we're just like, oh my gosh. It, and it's, it's actually sort of fun um, playing on a team in the AFC West because you're like, every single game in the West is going to be like, find your popcorn. Like, yeah. how many, like, primetime games, like, all three, three out of the four teams got all five primetime games. So it's like, of course, like it's star power to the max, and um, it, it's going to be. I mean, it's it's going to be tough. I feel like we might beat up on each other a little bit, but we'll, we'll yeah. see how that goes. Well, along those lines, and we're going to talk about about your team in a second. But for for a guy who watches right and sees Mahomes, what is it about him that you say that makes you say, "Damn!" Like, what is it specifically for a guy who plays the position? What is it about what Mahomes does that makes you go? God, this guy's ridiculous. Well, uh, everyone talks about arm strength, right? Like he's he's got it. You see the bombs he does. You're like, oh, that's 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 a pretty deep ball. But what I think separates him a little bit um, from a lot of people is the arm talent. Now, there's a difference. Not arm strength, arm Thank talent. You. Yes, and it it is it is throwing. It is multiple things. It's throwing in a very congested pocket at a funny angle. It is on the run. It is, it is throwing with your left. It is all those things that he brings that he can just God given skills. Like he, he never has to just be like perfectly set in rhythm. Like, like, you know, Drew Brees, like when Drew Brees is in rhythm back in the day, he is super dangerous. It's not like that with, with Mahomes. It is like, Hey, like three, like your feet are, he doesn't have like, he doesn't, I mean, he doesn't have great footwork from a purist quarterback coach that would say it, but what makes him special is he just the off platform throws that he's able to do. Um, and just like, he's got a little bit of luck too. Like you see some of these, he's had like 30 dropped interceptions in the, yeah. in the last three years, like something, some crazy stat. So there's sort of an aura about him and he just, what I like about him though, he makes everyone around him better and he brings yeah. everyone up um, um, to his level. And that's what makes him so dangerous. And obviously, you know, when you throw in a Travis Kelsey and Tyree kill doesn't hurt either. No, that's, that's also true. Although a lot of those dropped interceptions, I will say, he sees the flag and he heaves it up there knowing, hey, I got yeah. a free play. You know, he, he does yeah. that a lot. Then there's yeah. your guy, Justin Herbert. And I'm going to say this, we all missed. Uh, there were a couple people, Amy Trask, who does a great job for CBS. She kept telling me, don't believe all this stuff. This kid's going to be great. What is it that you, when when Herbert walks in, what did you know right away? Like, damn, this guy, he's going to be good. When I first met him last year, um, I would say like his demeanor and just how he carries himself in the, in the facility around his teammates. Like um, a situation for him is never too big. It's never too much or too much pressure. Like it's just like slow, smooth, steady. And then like, I would take his arm right now. And I'm just, I, I'm not being, I would take his arm over Mahomes. Like I catch his balls, like warming up like every day his footballs. And it's just like, Oh my gosh. Like 
he throws a heavy ball, Trey. And, and like, what I mean by that is just like, it gets on you and it gets on you fast. Like, um, and it's just special. Like he, his rookie year might be one of the greatest rookie years of all time for any quarterback in terms of like what he was able to do and put up production wise. And what's cool about him is going into his third year now, how he's starting to take charge, how he's already even more so stepping into that leadership role. And I think that is what's so great um, about this offense and how we can take our next steps is, is when, when the quarterback takes accountability for what's going on, talks to the receivers, tight ends, running backs, all those things. That's when I think a, a really good offense can be great. Yeah, and, and listen, obviously Herbert, uh, well, I think he threw for 5,000 yards last year. He's, he's phenomenal. But I got to ask you about the play last game of the regular season. You know, the craziest scenario would be that Sunday, that game, a tie gets both you guys into the postseason, right? I've never seen anything like it. And, and it was like – just the way everything played out that there's like, oh my God, this actually may exist. This actually may happen. And then the scenario played out. And then Brandon Staley, who I think is going to be a really good head coach. And, you know, he is notorious for going for it. He called the timeout. He said he wanted to get the, the correct personnel on the field. Uh, and that timeout allowed the Raiders to adjust what they wanted to do. And then they kicked the field goal to win the game. And a tie would have gotten both of you guys. And I think at that point, they were thinking about the tie. The Raiders were thinking about the tie. There's so no way they were thinking about the tie. There's yeah. no way. There's absolutely no way. Who, like, I, I, I'm telling you, I was there on the field, and I know what it looks like from on TV. I promise you that they were not doing that. They were too close. And I will say, I will back up Brandon Staley, because we were in dime personnel, Trey. Right. And it's like third and short. It's like, hey, we want to get our six-two package on there. So, so I get it. And there was still a lot of time. I, I just, it was like thirty-eight. I had seconds. a feeling that they're absolutely not. Yeah, I, I, I mean, they were still almost in field goal range too. But did you guys? But that was the be, game. That was going to be crazy. That was nuts. Like, did you, there were all these scenarios? Hey, let's just punt every time. You know, going into the game, and we'll just we'll both see in the postseason. What was what was your guys' thought process on how you were going to play that game, knowing what the scenario was? Well, you know, we got we got what was interesting is we got sort of flexed from the one to the four twenty five game. So it wasn't yeah. even the night game because they wanted to, like there was a bunch of scenarios that were so like okay we got flexed that's interesting. And then, you know, we don't even realize that we can, like, get to the playoffs by tying until, like, Wednesday or Thursday of that week. And Brandon Staley was, like, up front, like, hey, we got to win or tie. And guys were like, tie? Like, when was the last time that's ever happened to, like, hey, like. I, never. Well, like, wait, that's if we tie, never we both, if yeah. we tie, we both get in. It's not like you don't need a tie. Like, they need a tie, too. Like, yeah. you know, so it's like it was it was. I mean, it was one of the craziest scenarios. And what I remember about that game is like, you know, not the timeout or, or anything like that, but like the crazy amount of times we threw the ball in the fourth quarter, um, yeah. the crazy amount of fourth down conversions, most in the last 50 years, right? Yeah. We had like eight, seven or eight. Um, yeah. And just like heartbreaking, like just truly heartbreaking because it was, we left it all in the field. We felt like we were a really good team. Like we just want to get in the tournament. And Brandon before pregame was like, hey, listen, just so you guys know, I am not playing for a tie. Like I am, we are going out there and we are going to give it our, our best. We're going to, we're going to, you know, try our hardest and, and, and hopefully come out with a win. But 
there was no there was no point in time from our team at least Brandon Saley was like hey let's just let's just tie it you know let's just play for the tie it was always like and and guys respected that like guys like heck yeah like like let's go out and and ball out and, and try to get a win but I mean that was I've been a part of some crazy games that was just how it ended the fourth and 20 touchdown pass um getting to over I mean it was it was insane yeah well, it's, it really started, I think, that really was a playoff game. We just had the most insane playoffs I've ever seen in the history of the NFL. So, of course, it would make sense that that would be the thing that got everything going. So, here's your chance, right? Because pundits, you know, they do it. Uh, they they wait to the, the, the result and then they react instead of the actual was it the right decision or not. So, here's your opportunity as a, as a member of the Chargers to say to those fans of the Chargers that were criticizing the decision or the pundits out there that have made no sense – here is your chance to defend Brendan Staley. What would you say to all those people? I'd say the guys in the locker room love him. Um, the guys love his aggressiveness. He's not going to change. Our DNA of the team is not going to change. Um, he he has it all, honestly. Like he's really smart. He played quarterback right in college, but he's a defensive coordinator. And I, I'm I'm just I'm just excited for for people to see our team and just how much we've grown in year two, right? That's when you see the the biggest jump under new head coaches if yep. you're trending the right way. We are by far trending the right way. I'm there every day. I live it. We have such a young team. And I think the, the games from last year, um, the adversity we faced together, um, it's pretty much a new team. And then we added some superstars. There's a lot of the same core players there, and that is – that's a big deal. Um, so I, I'm just excited. Um, I, I, I just I just don't want to have to use silent cadence at home anymore. So Chargers fans, yeah. come on out. Let's not use silent cadence at home. Come support yeah. the boys. Yeah, make it, let's let's not make it a home game for the other team is what we're trying yes. to say. All right. Yes. Well, why don't we take our second break? When we come back, we'll find out what the future holds uh, for Chase Daniel if he ever stops playing football. We're coming right back on Half Forgotten History. It is a scientific fact here at Half Forgotten History. We have the smartest listeners around. And we want you to be smart with your money, too, because that's kind of a big deal. And U.S. Bank offers a wide range of credit cards for a wide variety of financial needs. And one of its most useful cards is the U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card. With a low introductory APR for 24 billing cycles, this card is a tool for getting ahead. The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card is a savvy financial move for large purchases, unexpected expenses, we all have those, and balance transfers. And with the ability to customize your payment date, this card really gives you control and flexibility over your financial future. Apply now at usbank.com slash platinum. With the U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card, you can be worry-free for the next two years. And to see if you qualify for the best introductory APR out there, visit usbank.com slash platinum. Limited time offer, the creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association. Pursuant to a license from Visa USA Incorporated, some restrictions may apply. All right, back with Chase Daniel here on this episode of Half Forgotten History. So, look, you're into year 14. How long do you envision this? Like, are you going to keep going as long as someone is willing to, to sign you? Or are you like, I'd like to be a charger, and then if that doesn't work out, then we'll figure something else out? Um, you know... Um, this is really the first time I've said it, but for, for me and my family, like I, I am by far, no doubt about it in the, like, let's take it one year at a time phase of my career. And by that, I mean, people are like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, I want to literally enjoy every single OTA practice, every practice, every away trip, every 
home game, every away. Like I want to just really soak it in because I, I understand like my time is like almost done. Like I, I get it. 14 years is a lot. Um, but I would like to play. I mean, I just love what we have here. And I love what we have with the Chargers. It helps that it's right up the road, 60 miles away from San Diego, where, where my family's at. Yeah. And it, it's a it's a big deal for me because I, I, I uh, love the guys I work with. But I, I think for sure, like, I, I obviously, you know, play this year and and maybe next year and the year after. I don't know. I just I'm very content right now with taking it one year at a time. Now, you could have told me, honestly, like this is the first time in my career. You could have told me um, last year, like, hey, you're done after the after last year. I'd be like you know what? All right. Like yeah. I, I got a, I got a lot of time outside of my career. Um, you know, after my career to do what I want and, uh, I would have been fine with it, but I'm, I'm glad I'm playing now and I still feel like I can, I can do it and do it at a high level. Hey man, Tom Brady is taking his career one year at a time for the last 15 years. He's 45 <laughs> and he's playing like you could play forever, bro. Like you could yeah. literally, you might, you, you might be the Tom Brady of backup quarterbacks and doing this at 44. I, I would like that. And, and, you know, my goal, my goal was really um, very simple when I started playing. It was like, hey, I want to ha- obviously have kids. We have three kids, a four and a half year old, a two and a half year old and a 10 month old. Um, we're pretty busy right now, actually. Yeah. Of that. But um, uh, my goal was to play long enough to where my oldest son was able to recognize and understand what dad did. Yeah. And he finally got to that age this year where he could go to a game with my wife at four years old and sit there and not really understand it, but also understand what dad does and understand like how cool it is. Like, I'm not going to like, it is so cool that dad gets to go out there and play in front of thousands of fans and gets to suit it up and go play a a game for a living, play a sport for a living. And and that was like one of my big things. Like I want to play that long. And I think it'll be even more. He'll understand the game even more this year. So that was that was a big deal to me, and it was it was pretty cool to watch it happen. Oh, that's interesting because, like, when I had Eli and Archie on the on the episode once, and uh, you know, Eli was like, "I really thought of my dad as a broadcaster more than a football player." Like, you know, he I, I was really young when he played. I saw him more as the radio guy uh, for the New Orleans Saints than as the quarterback yeah. for a bunch of teams. So, when your playing career is done, do you, you want to get into the business? You want to do? Well, we've talked about this before. Do you want to call games? Do you want to be an analyst? What do you want to yeah. do? We've talked, we've talked a lot about this a lot, Trey. And I think, you know, you've been one of my biggest corners, like, Hey, you should pursue it. And I'd love to get into broadcasting. I think that, um, I'm a natural at it. I'm good at it. Do I want to call games, be a studio analyst? I don't know, just a little bit of everything, you know, and, and yeah. just, just fill it out and just see how it is. A lot of people are, are saying, Hey, you would be like the best coach ever. I'm like, yeah, I would, but I also understand how much I've given this game. Coaching is a different zero- level. The family time that, I mean, family's very important, as you can tell to me. Like, I would never see him. Like, I never see him now, and I'm a player. Coaches are double that. Um, I'm not taking it off the table, but I think without a doubt, the, the the next thing will be something in broadcast for sure. Well, listen, I think that'll happen. You're natural at it. And uh, we, we had John at ESPN a bunch of times. And you're doing great stuff here. So in 23 years, when you've stopped playing, uh, we will see Chase Daniel somewhere. Uh, you, you yeah. are, you gotta, you're going to retire. You're going to retire as the king of backup quarterbacks. That's, that's a pretty, you know, like Crash Davis in the movie Bull Durham hated being the, the home run leader of the minor leagues. This is not that. You are going to retire yeah. as the king of the backup quarterbacks. That's like the best title ever. 
I don't, I don't hate it. And maybe one day I've talked, I've talked, I've told you some exclusive stories. I have a lot more. I might write a book one day and just go into, just go into every single year and story. And just like, I've thought about it. Cause I, and I started to like writing some stuff down who knows it will come to fruition, but it's, it's been a, it's been a good career. Hopefully it keeps going. And, and you know, what's, you know, I, I feel, I really do feel like God has put me on this earth to like be a part of football. So like whatever I do, after football, it's going to be in football. So that, that's that's something that I'm I'm excited about. This platform is here for all your information. We just want you to know that. So, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, let us say goodbye to the man. 14 years, five starts, eight touchdowns, seven interceptions, forty million dollars. As I said in the tweet, <laughs> bow to your king, Chase. You've been saving that all show, haven't you? That that tagline, <laughs> man. I love it. That's the best. All right. Be well, and uh, I'll hit you up for some tickets this season, okay? For sure. Come on out, man. Appreciate you. All right, brother. See you. So once again, thanks to Chase. Awesome guy. Has so many great stories. We're going to try and figure out a way to get him more included in what we're doing here uh, at Trey Wingo Presents because uh, he's a lot of fun. And listen, when he stops playing in 2029, uh, maybe he will have a career in broadcasting. So thanks to Chase, and thank all of you for listening and watching. That's it for Season 7 of Half Forgotten History, but we are not done. We're going to take a break for a couple of weeks. We've already got a bunch of Hall of Famers lined up for Season 8. It is going to be phenomenal. So thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks with Season 8 of Half Forgotten History.